Kia ora, kia ora, and welcome. We've got another episode of our Into the Cloud podcast, and we've upped it up a bit this week, Dave, or this month, the video. We've got video. We've upped it this week, Dave. I've got a haircut. Dave's got a haircut. We managed to bring someone in with a pretty similar looking haircut as well. Which is, which is, which is. I think I need to slip and slide a bit here, actually look at yours. (laughs) But you know, we've upped it a bit. We're at the Manaki Studios, uh, which is awesome. Uh, super happy to have Manaki actually on as one of our new partners um, and we're here today and we're here today to talk about the new I'm gonna say this all wrong and I'm gonna get I'm gonna be corrected by these gentlemen here but the new 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 Zealand region DC um, and a bit of an update as to what's going on with that so first up um, you guys all know who I am Nadia Phillips uh, head of marketing and operations at Umbrella uh, and I'm going to go round the table and get everyone to introduce themselves because I will not do a good enough job at that. Over to you, Paddy. Oh, thanks, Nadia. Kia ora, everyone. Uh, my name's Paddy Cannell. I'm uh, the Australian New Zealand Azure Engineering Product Lead. Uh, what does that mean? Uh, it means I focus on uh, ecosystem investments into the Azure platform. So what makes Azure underneath the hood? Uh, where do we put new investments? What do we do? How do we bring in the right services and solutions? Uh, and of course, the New Zealand data centre region is part of that ecosystem, so it's really important to what we're doing today. Awesome. Awesome. Like ANZ. ANZ. Yeah, ANZ. Australia and New Zealand. And do you, do you venture any further? Because you were APAC and now it's ANZ, or...? Yeah, I went to, into an APAC role, but uh, saw the light and wanted to uh, be part <laughs> of the Australian New Zealand beast, so I'm back. Jimmy, you want to go, go next? Introduce yeah. yourself. Nana, kia ora everybody. So my name is Jimmy Kerr and I am incredibly lucky to be the launch lead for the New Zealand North region. Um, I guess it's a sort of ambiguous title, but I'm sort of the intersection between, obviously you can imagine it's a large construction project. We have the interface to engineering from the product services capacity scale, but it's also to do with market readiness. So working with customers to understand what they want Um, Some of the things I think we're going to talk about today, what does it mean to New Zealand Inc or Aotearoa Inc, Um, also working with the partner ecosystem, looking at the all up skilling demand, obviously everybody knows we've got a labour shortage, um, for us to get the most out of it as a nation, so it's it's into all of these areas as we bring together um, and what will be, you know, just an amazing transformation, successful story for New Zealand going forward. That labour bit, that's quite interesting, right? Because we, I mean, we're all struggling to find people, and now there's going to be the strain of that. So that, that's going to be an interesting, I think, topic to I'm not discuss. Yeah. If you look at the statistical biggest infrastructure projects that New Zealand's had, this has got to be up there, right? Outside of the you know, road construction, major construction, outside of laying tarmac, like this has got to be up there. Um, yeah, second only to the uh, broadband infrastructure rollout. Yeah, yeah, yeah. massive. And if I kind of cast my mind back. It was lockdown number one, where you you guys announced that the uh, investment committee, overseas investment committee, had decided to go. Yep, good. Microsoft, you're all good. And I remember Jacinda announcing it, and we jumped onto a, one of our very first podcasts where we did a, right. a, a series of questions around that, yeah. and that was coming up to two years ago. I imagine it is. Yeah, yeah over yeah. two years yeah. ago. And um, where are those two years gone? Well, the clock was ticking, and I remember the question was, when's the state going to open? And you said, two years' time, so... (laughs) Where's the key? Yeah. 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 And I guess that's probably my first question to you guys, is where are you at? I guess I sort of set the frame on that. As you can imagine, 
the way that we approached it in New Zealand is because we're so lucky to live in such a transparent company, our country, we, we declared it very early because we knew we were going through you know, transparent processes and so it would be in the media anyway. So it was much earlier than we would normally do it from other countries because it's just a way that you disclose large investments. Um, since then, obviously, uh, all the parcels of land have been purchased. All the construction of the buildings is finished or on the process to be finished. Um, and we're looking at the, if you look from calendar year 23, so next year, probably towards the end of the first half is when we are looking at from a, from a GA date, you know, general availability for the New Zealand North Azure region. Um, as you can imagine, it's not, you know, it's not, and people quite often refer to it as a DC, when you're actually talking about the um, investments, you are building three physical buildings. And just to be really clear, these are brand new buildings from the scratch. They're not repurposing any existing networking infrastructure, buildings, etc. Um, the size and the scale of each, so the way that we do it in, in, in with our availability zone architecture, is that they're of parity with each other. So these are, there is nothing that is comparable in the country from what exists now, just one to one, and we're doing three of them. You also have the connectivity, so we've obviously had to invest large capital investments with our partners to increase the fibre connectivity throughout the Auckland region to connect the buildings, as well as the um, we call edge sites or points of presence, the new larger scale ones we're building for all the customers uh, to move in. So from a timeline perspective, that's where we're looking. We're on track. Um, large part of the risk in these projects has been through global supply chain. It's actually been around the construction of buildings, steel, aluminium supply chains. And we're really, if you take a critical path, of just this is just a construction perspective, we will through that path. And now it's coming into the, you know, the, the fire suppression systems, the backup power systems, and to that level of detail. So purely from a construction perspective, that's where it sits. But I mean, that's just one, really, I don't want to overlay, but that's just one layer of it. Yeah, got it. The market readiness, the skilling, the partner readiness, the understanding of what this means. You know, there's still a lot of mahi in this space sure. to get that part yeah. right. Sure. So what are some of the numbers that are being pegged to the overall um, project itself? Obviously, we've got a, a reference point from the Australia region, so we know what scale exists you know, on Australia. Yeah. Um, from what I understand, this is about creating, you know, cloud parity between the regions that are available to A and Z from a perspective. So like, what kind of some of the numbers that are going into these three DCs from a size and scale and workloads that we can expect to see land and to go GA? So when we talk about it, and I don't want to be, you know, we do not publicly declare the dollar of the investment piece. You will see a number of 100 million in the media. That's the, the tap for the overseas investment office. Anything minimum. over that, so yeah. that's the minimum. Uh, so that's where that comes from. Um, we could reference, I would share it from IDC reports, which talk around, because it's a physical construction, mm -hmm. the people who build it, um, any DC building company or entity, you know that's a finite. There's a time frame they build, they finish building, it's, it's from that perspective. There's some people who support it, but really when you're talking about numbers, you're talking yeah. about the impact to the IT sector, the mm -hmm. impact to the, the workforce, the SaaS companies, the ISVs, the partner ecosystems that can increase and build their footprints, sure. yeah. and the university technical institutions. This is where the GDP growth and technology, we just number two, but we just, I think yeah, we've just. Technology just number two. Yeah, absolutely. From expert <coughs> perspective, yeah. that is the piece. 
Mm. Uh, we've done some great work with IDC. Yeah. Um, it's large. It's still numbers, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And to, to think that we're going to be absolutely accurate. Yeah, yeah. Know, Pat, you have to mention on there. I think probably the, the other numbers you're talking about is probably from a technical design That's right. perspective yeah. as well. And we don't publicly state what our minimum megawatt builds are, but there's nothing in New Zealand with this megawatt capacity today. Even one of those sites is bigger than the largest site in New Zealand today. So if you think about three of those, yeah. and then the regional network gateways, and then you've got um, N1, N2, N3 connectivity, power, cooling, all running, there's nothing comparable. And I imagine then that on the basis of the investment that you're making, and you're right, Jimmy, I'm not looking at financials specifically, yeah. the economic impact it is the piece, but if we touch on the economics, <coughs> the propensity for New Zealand businesses to then move and drive and adopt this technology once it lands in New Zealand must have been considerable for the business case to go through. Absolutely. What are you seeing in terms of that like tidal wave that's going to happen when you turn the lights on and suddenly we can start to deploy in this this region? I, mean, yeah. uh, the, I know there's customers have been signed up already in terms sure. of early adopting yeah. yep. demand. What does this mean when the lights go on for New Zealand in your view? I think there's probably two two parts we need to make sure that everyone understands is that this this is not just a Azure data center for New Zealand. Mm. Right? We're not selling an Azure New Zealand data center. It's part of Azure's world the world's computer. So Satya has this vision of think of Bill Gates' PC on every desk. Azure on steroids is the world's computer, right? Wants to put it everywhere, make sure it provides the best services to meet latency, data requirements, whatever it might be. And so when we think about the New Zealand impact, it's how do we bring the power of the compute, the innovation around data and AI, how do we deliver services that will meet edge capability? Mm. Uh, what about the globalised fees that maybe aren't in New Zealand today delivering those services to customers that they do want? All of those kind of things. So it's bringing in additional services that maybe organisations aren't using today. We're still, it's still part of Azure, it's still part of the, local, the, the world's computer. So put your services where the right services are doesn't have to always necessarily go into that New Zealand region. It brings additional capability, mm. which means partners could build services on top of that, build managed service offerings, solutions, mm. whatever it might be, to then help New Zealand adopt technology and innovation to maybe take that GDP export capability and make it number one. So although having the New Zealand region is obviously incredibly exciting for mm. us here in New Zealand, mm. um, obviously globally this is actually beneficial to so many other regions around and they'd be excited about having a new yeah. region as well that they yeah. can use. Yeah, it's about bringing, it's not just about New Zealand organisations using it, it's fantastic we can bring it, but it's also bringing global organisations like someone like a Boeing who uses our regions globally and putting them into, say, New Zealand North and bringing a service to organisations in New Zealand that they maybe they're not getting today. So what, like, kind of, I guess, going on from that, so like if Boeing's coming they're using it. Obviously, this is going to create um, an enormous amount um, of exposure. It's going to create an enormous amount of work and, and, and output for for that DC. What what does having what does truly having a region in New Zealand mean to to the people in New Zealand, to the customers, to the partners? So I mean, about on this one, yeah. and I think it sort of lands in a couple of a couple of levels. Hmm. One, of, one of the things is um, New Zealand geographically where it is, that's the reality of what we are, right? We're a little bit isolated, um, we want to be you know, independent in the way that we think and, and work with that for, for very good reasons. 
And when you think about who are the large users of compute capacity, public sector, coming through industry, the idea of um, the residency of data mm. um, for whatever reason, that is a critical um, and something that we, are, you know, from an investment perspective, we are pushing and we're going to more and more countries because they, they demand it and it's a completely legitimate request. You know, this is not unreasonable and we're lining up the investment on that piece here. So what it is doing is where, where that might have been a blocker or there was an unclear process of how you would be able to put that in a different jurisdiction or whatever it may be, um, we're, we're now bringing the capacity or the capability to get tick the benefit of putting it here. But it, it is the, the, the higher value when you start doing the analysis. You bring together the data, you can uh, move towards, if you're trying to set policy, you can use analysis of existing scenarios using big data, which in existing, where they reside in existing hosted IaaS or on-premise data centers, you can't access within situ, being New Zealand, the analysis to drive better decision making. That's just an example in one mm -hmm. lens, but that's, uh, this is you know where we're coming to, I guess, to think about it. The other part is, taking on from Patty's point, where some overseas, and I don't want to over-exaggerate, it's not going to be a huge percentage of of what the capacity we're taking up by the overseas, but it's also the New Zealand market as they export. They might want to do their development. This is their holy grail, right? If you're a SaaS company, you're building it up. Mm -hmm. You've been holding this probably in some tin under, you know, and now there's a place from a residency perspective. Mm. That's going to be a good peace of mind from your perspective, although the market might be in Asia or in America and they want to put production workloads there. It's it's going both ways. Yeah. And so it's bringing the cloud closer, but it's also making the ability to you know, push the cloud further um, with the way that they've been operating. So it's so exciting to have the toolbox arrive. It is, yes. this is kind of yeah. how I've been it's about it. Yeah. It's, a, it's a great toolbox. It's, the toolbox yeah. is arriving. We've no longer got to reach over the ditch mm. to borrow the Australian yeah. toolbox. Yeah. We can you know, natively use our own toolbox, which from an indigenous perspective opens up a lot of, um, I guess, digital inequity that we've seen in the market. Like, there's a lot of reasons why you just can't go outside of New Zealand mm. regions for whatever reason. It doesn't always need to be policy. It can be just like how you live and how you run your business and how data needs to be yeah. needs to be stored. Um, I feel like that digital inequity across all of us is now going to kind of like a... Yeah. It's not I, about Australia and New Zealand. That's no. just kind of a fallacy, but it's... No, because again, it's part of that overall computer, but I think <laughs> yeah. it's also important to note that it's not just about... Azure as the platform, it's the other Microsoft clouds we have with Power Platform and That's Dynamics right. and Microsoft 365 and our security offering, because we're bringing that as well to New Zealand. Got it. And when you start to build out solutions, particularly when we think about industry-based solutions mm -hmm. for the market, um, so think about what could you do with Agri that's using Azure Power Platform and security or Dynamics together as an overall solution that's going to help meet industry-based solutions. Yeah. And look, let's touch on the... the um, the core evolutions of technology over time it gets better faster sharper kind of cheaper but also this is a very capable um, and modern data center right there's been data centers that are being built yeah. sustainability from a core of the new zealand belief system is yeah. massive so let's just touch, touch on touch on some of the sustainability numbers yeah. a little bit because you'll be real close, close yeah. to this like, what no, does no. this mean for our own carbon footprint it's uh i'm so glad you brought this question up i actually spent quite a bit of time with customers and partners taking through the details. So the absolute specific numbers for New Zealand, as we're finalising some last pieces, will be completely transparent and uh, transparent. you'll be able to see them. The, the numbers, so if you're moving from an IaaS 
where on three and, and you're moving to a hyperscale cloud, 80% reduction in carbon footprint, absolute minimum, and quite likely 90 or 95. Mm. It is that night and day. That said, and this is obviously aggregated across the world. For New Zealand, and it has been part of, um, as we're working through, and there'll be some exciting announcement coming around about our power supply. New Zealand is obviously going to be the latest iteration, the byproduct of billions of dollars of R&D um, from closed systems. And the way that we're moving, and this is really, really exciting, I think, is your um, people must be hopefully familiar with the emissions impact dashboard, the ability to plug into your Azure Tenancy and see real-time carbon tracking. It is getting down to the level of region. So if you deploy it to Australia East, your carbon footprint equals X. If you move it to New Zealand North, it's going to be lower. Let me just say that. Fascinating. So, so it's that level of detail. That's, so that's really interesting. So the, the the potential then be that the carbon footprint of deployment workloads in one region is different from another. Yeah. And therefore, depending on the trade-off between latency, data locality, and emissions, you can move workloads around to be mm. more or less sustainable. Is yeah, and I think it's important also to note that those regions that might be not as good as say the latest region oh. will be coming up to speed as well. Got it. Yeah, yeah. Mm. So it's global global yeah, yeah. But, but yeah. yeah, and the other good point is it might not be not quite as good. It is still Very so good. much greater than anything, anything else. else. Um, yeah. It is, yeah, it is. I'm, I'm completely confident in saying we are the most sustainable hyperscaler cloud on the planet. Yeah. And it absolutely drives every part of chip selection, mm -hmm. piping, the cooling. There is no part of the construction, implementation, the scaling that that is not our absolutely design and built-in design principle to optimize, optimize, optimize. It must be such a cool project to work on, right? From a personal perspective, for you to kind of see this from start to finish, and Paddy, you yeah. were the yeah. were the key architects in the early days yeah. of bringing this business yeah, to a good team. Yeah. yeah. Didn't you break this break the soil or something? We thought about doing a bit of yeah. a sort of. Emoji joke around that, didn't we? So yeah. tell a story around. Tell a story and break the Actually, soil of the first. Putting brick by brick. No, <laughs> it wasn't me. It's totally relevant in my view that you, your business can sometimes be like the business, and this is a mythical thing that exists. And when you achieve like business case concept all the way through to the gentleman that's leading the program, um, just into talking about it live on TV with yep. Vanessa flying the flag for what this means for the for the country. It's so cool to be just having his access to those that are the business you know, mm. Microsoft's such a big business yeah to like 90,000 100,000 employees or whatever we're you both know. Kiwis we're here I mean I think yeah. we're, as part of this process Patty and the team set it up so well I'm supported uh, with a you know a huge as you can imagine global team. great ecosystem yeah but mm -hmm. to be yeah New Zealand is doing this for New Zealand being part of something mm -hmm. which is yeah. a complete step change for the industry yeah mm -hmm. it must have felt great to be <laughs> it must have felt so good to go like yeah no, it is, it is pretty know, good and we, we expected everyone else to, to follow suit that's normal right yeah. Yeah. And, they yeah. Yeah. and they have and what's that meant for you guys um, obviously AWS announced that they were going to be launching a region here whether the, there's parity or not that may have been influenced by Microsoft's decision and Google following suit yeah. but what, how are you seeing that play out I think that's just an evolution of hyperscalers globally I think yeah. that they'll be looking to assess markets where there's opportunity and New Zealand's heavily untapped I and mean, we're number eight wire Kiwi attitude and we're all about innovation and growth. Seeing the, the huge growth in technology adoption across the country, why wouldn't you invest in this country? Yeah. But I think we even like uh, collectively, it may appear that we're adversaries, but overall for the you know New Zealand Inc, 
this is a net positive. Mm. Um, and we're very confident that if, you, if we're actually competing um, now with residency disregarded, our story is stronger and our, strong, our story is better when it comes to all around, you know, from the security, the offerings, the level at which mm. we you know, physically build. It, it's a better story, so we're very confident yeah. to be mm. able to go and have those discussions and let the customers make the decision. And, and look, the other thing is it's not just all about public cloud, right? The, the hybrid cloud. You know, how do we bring that into that story with New Zealand? Because ultimately, the reality is not everything will be able to go into public cloud. You know, mm. We accept that. And so Microsoft takes a very holistic and agnostic approach in terms of how we think about that. So let's work with organisations, see how we help you with edge and hybrid and mm. use the power of public cloud, bringing that through to your organisation and your solutions where you can, but maximise it as much as you can by bringing a physical DC region in country. So exciting. For me, the sustainability, and um, I guess that is that it's that 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 tikanga. You know, it's that um, what this means for for us to be able to be able to see our footprint, and as a business, be able to see your footprint. I think that's going to only become more important. Yeah. Um, and I guess looking at a lens outside of us and the DC. This enormous project of these three DCs, and you're talking about cooling and power and all of that. Um, we know that we've got electric cars coming. We know that we've got um, you know um, infrastructure through the country, which I believe is going to end up struggling with electricity, etc. Uh, you know, we already moving that to Auckland. How do these three DCs actually affect, say, the electrical grid in Auckland or the people around and the environment around it, or, or what steps have been taken? Um, to, to the impact on actually the environment around it. Yeah. Start with that one. Yeah. No, no. So obviously, as you, we're doing that consideration, it's a long process. It's a long process for reasons. You know, we made an announcement, and as we're going through the due diligence, um, even I was, my mind was blown by the checklist of what we go through from a site selection. From a, you know, not under a flight path, not under a floodplain. Of course, that's common sense. But you know, <laughs> all the extra pieces. So the checks and balances through every piece are there, and it also it broadens and broadens. We have a when you think about power, which obviously you know from an Auckland perspective, these are the considerations that are. Does it meet the requirement? Do we need to make additional investments to ensure it does then meet it? So we're not doing exactly as you're saying. And then the next layer that we start thinking about it, and you'll see. Um, around the world is that we are actually doing, so we talk about it as being 100% is the goal is to be 100% renewable in a, in a new location. And then it's 100, 100, and we're all, those are all publicly declared information. And that's where we help co-invest in net new power Projects. for a location in, in, in a country so that whatever we're taking, we're helping to create more than you know, 100 plus. More than we use. Yep. Yep. Um, and that's part of the, I guess, the journey. And if you if you look at the, um, we've got some great stuff on the website. We even have a sphere that spins around showing all the infrastructure, and it actually shows where we're doing all these investments around the world. Mm. So awesome. as part of that, as we're working through, that's what we're doing as an organisation. We've got an innovation fund of over a billion dollars. We are, this is it literally drives our our business decision making, um, because exactly as you're mm. saying. Mm. It's not at, all, not at any cost, right? Mm. Um, and, you know, New, New Zealand is a bit lucky. We're over 80% is renewable from a power. We're in a different situation from other countries. But that said, mm. you can't just bring in all this demand without working on the supply yeah. side You've at the same time. Mm. Yeah. yeah. And that's yeah. off as well, I imagine, over time. And what I mean by that is, as workloads move from on-prem, 
to the local <coughs> region, yeah. you, like you said, 90% more efficient. Yeah. So effectively, you're releasing 90% of power exactly. back to the grid. Yeah. So we should see a net positive on the grid. It's, yeah, the ma- you go through the details. Based on the projects, yeah. yeah. And that's, that's, that's why Jimmy's talking about you know, potential announcements coming up in terms of what we're doing from there. Yeah. And it's not just about the, the power sustainability, it's also about the, um, the fibre connectivity. We've had mm. to invest in a lot more fibre connectivity between all of our sites to make sure we have that N1, N2, N3 connectivity yeah. across the three DCs plus the edge sites within Auckland because yeah. there wasn't enough, which is great. We can just well, let's chuck some more in and yeah. make sure it meets the requirements. Mm-hmm. It's so easy, I think, for us who are in the industry to kind of get consumed with the tech and the numbers, right? Yeah. Uh, you know, how big is your DC? My DC is your DC. <laughs> yeah. You know, like, um, and Nadia made a good point before we started this podcast, which was, um, you know, ultimately we're here for the customer who's using yeah. this tech yeah. to, to inflict change. Mm-hmm. What tech are we get? Walk us through what's going to be there in GA. What are we, what are we seeing? What is the toolbox going to have in it when you guys launch? And I'm, I'm putting you on the spot. Yeah. <laughs> But I, I no, forget, no, so, no. you know, <laughs> what's going to be there? Yeah, I think it's, it's really important to, to note that we have a, a breakdown of um, our regions and, ha- and what, they, what they come with. And um, the opportunity for partners as well as our customers out there is to say, well, what is it you want? Mm. What, do you, what do you want to deliver? Yeah. Uh, we have foundational services which, which will land, and you can look at that on the ME stocks in terms of what they are. But what, what do we really need to be able to help organisations transform, leverage the power of that data and compute so that they can do it? So I guess that we can't, well, we can't give you a, a full, like if I gave you a list right now, yeah. you'd be here for a week trying to go through it all line by line. Yeah. It's probably more about what's the opportunity, what's the uh, solutions that we want in country that's going to help meet organisations' demand. And so our ask back to the partner community is give us that insight. What are you seeing? What are you hearing from organisations out there that want to use New Zealand Ward? Who are they? Uh, and and what kind of solutions are you looking at? So not to go too buzzwordy on the, uh, on the list, the staples are all present. So IaaS, PaaS services, PaaS SQL, all the main storage platforms are all going to be there. And then the more advanced workloads, you're looking for insight from partners. Absolutely. So Azure VMware Service, ARO, um, Azure Virtual Desktop. Azure Web Desktop, right. Although that runs on standardised compute, there'd be a question about whether do organisations want to have the control plan in New Zealand, do they yeah. want it? are they happy with that in Australia, that kind yeah. of stuff. Those kind of details. Um, you, know, you think about some of the SAP workloads that organisations want to run. That's that's an advanced workload. We're building business cases and, and request to put that into New Zealand. Yeah. But the more insight we get, the more detail we get from partners, the easier it becomes to deploy it. Because I would say that... Um, it's really important to note that public cloud, whether it's Azure or anyone else's, is elastic. It's not infinite. Yep. So mm. uh, it's a bit like the Field of Dreams movie. If you build Good it, they point. will come. Right. Mm. But we still need to know what you need to help mm. help them come. Yep. Right. So uh, how do we how do we make sure we have the right amount of compute, storage, and capacity? And we keep adding to it. We'll continue to add. We've already purchased extra sites to be able to cope for expansion because we're seeing the demand coming. Yeah. But again, the more information we can get you know, from partners and, and organisations, the better. Because it is, if you look at it from a, what we want to land, and it is different when it is, if you think, use Australia as an example, where it's BAU, right? So from a forecasting and we need to add, add in more compute at what level. When you're doing your first drop of the size of your infrastructure, this is the one that I want to make sure <clears throat> we're getting it right 
and that is where that broader, so we work very closely with our customers and we really want to work more closely with the, with the partner, mm. to partner ch uh, community to make sure we're, we're pulling that. And just a little bit further on Patty's point, is for some of the bespoke stuff, it just comes down to physical tin, mm. really high and expensive mm. compute capability that we're not going to bring if no one's going to want to use. Mm. No business would, you know, just in case you feel you might want it. Yeah. We just need to know the signals. We'll yeah. bring it, but we're just yeah. not going to bring it just in case. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe this is a time that we uh, reflect on the power of New Zealand relationships. Right? Yeah. Um, and I think this is, well, for me, it's one of the reasons I moved to this country in the first place. Like The ability for you guys listening to have impact. Mm. Pick up the phone, speak to Paddy, right, and register interest <laughs> in certain <laughs> workloads. I was going to say, your, yeah. your, your inbox well, is going to be... <laughs> I'll, give you an, I'll give you a very short example. Last week we were speaking with another partner, um, and Mike's a partner that works with us. Um, they have 25 clients who run ARO. Yep. Now, that customer is now on the list with the ARO lead to make sure there's provisioned ARO infrastructure for the Azure region, yep. purely for joining the dots. Yes. So if you are listening, you will have the impact and the power to be able to input into what future tech is available yeah. through this region. It's not a fallacy at all. Mm. Not at all. Maybe in other countries where there's 50 people between you and yeah. the person making the call, but we have a unique situation yeah. in this country to be able to put mm. change and impact really quite quickly. I think it's a really good opportunity for us yeah. to actually prove to the Microsoft world and the world in general mm. in terms of actually, you know, New Zealand's not just a little bit part of country down the end of the, end of the globe and um, claims that we punch above our weight, let's show them actually mm -hmm. that we can. Yeah. Actually, on that, so you was you were, you sort of mentioned halfway through next year we're looking at having sort of turning on the lights and having geo available. Um, what can partners be doing right now? What what what's the request or, or what should we be doing now? Yeah. yeah. Ready for what that is. So we can we can say hey contact Paddy because he's down the road. <laughs> but but in all seriousness. Yeah. Email address. Yeah. <laughs> His email address is on the bottom of the screen. Five, five, five. Yeah, but but in all seriousness, what can partners or what type of partners should actually be doing this now? What sort of traction are you already seeing in market and, and to help you doing this? Do you want to start with this one? Yeah, I'll start yeah. with it. I guess, I mean, at a baseline level, it's um, enterprise scale landing zones. Which, which customers are going to require that? How do we get that insight? Um, you know, if you've got a list of customers, like, like Dave said, with a, with a the partner that had X amount of customers that are going to use ARO or even other services, then work with uh, with Dave's team, with our partner team, to help collate that together because we're building out basically a demand plan and we're putting that into the system. Because obviously, we like like Jimmy said, we have to buy the hardware, mm. to buy the solutions. Um, you know, we've got customers saying, hey, I'm running uh, old IBM AIX, I-series, P-series, that kind of stuff. Let's look about how we can help solve for that. Know, give us those insights. Um, the more insights we get, the more mm. we can help. So, I would say, yeah, work with your with your local Microsoft contact. If you don't have one, then you should work with with Umbrella to, to build yep. it out. Reach Very out to Dave. Very we'll now put Dave's email address <laughs> on the bottom of it. Hand that over to Umbrella, right? <laughs> no, no. But in all seriousness, yeah. if you if if you are a managed partner, contact your PDM. Go through your managed partner. If you are not a managed partner. Go to your umbrella account manager who will who will be managing it. Actually, an interesting point you said there around that we've got to purchase these things. Yeah. The challenge, I mean, I'm just building a house at the moment and trying to buy jib and yeah. trying to buy the things for a like to build a house. Don't worry, we won't have a government inquiry. <laughs> but what's that been like over the last 
year of these restricted um, materials. What's that been like? In... Well, it's been like that for the last two plus years, right? I mean, yeah, like when, yeah. when COVID hit, we saw, as the said, sort of five years of transformation in two months. Mm. So, you know, we were, when we were, at the same time as we were making the announcement about New Zealand, I was part of a team going, hmm, how are we going to make sure we have enough capacity for the massive growth <laughs> that's going to Sydney right now, right? Yeah. So, um, you know, flying planes around full of hardware, literally connecting them yeah. and join the dots. So mm. it's an ongoing exercise. But again, that's insights and that future purchasing, like, if we get enough insight, we can buy ahead of the curve. And, we, and we're doing that already. We're using artificial intelligence within our systems and what's being used. But I, I have a feeling that there's a, a few, and I've heard from a few partners saying, oh, this customer's going to wait. That's okay to wait, but give us the insight of, of when. Yeah. Um, you know, if you're using, is it Partner ID Centre, Partner Centre, mm-hmm. uh, then chuck your information in there. Mm. Give us the insight. Yeah. Because just to add on to that, I guess on the first part, I guess we're in a lucky situation because of our size and our scale when it comes to, if you're talking about the actual tin and the actual hardware, we buy quite a lot. Yeah. So the, the, and the growth of what we do by month, I mean, I've been given the number, I can forget it, but it, blew, it absolutely blows mm-hmm. your mind, right? So we, we, we're lucky in that, in that perspective. But it, it, essentially it's a logistics challenge. So pipeline, justify what people want, we bring it in and then we keep yeah. scaling and scaling as we need to yeah. know. It's just making sure you, you have that piece. The only other piece we're talking about getting ready from a partner perspective, we had a really good internal session yesterday, I think it was the day before, mm. and we're going to start bringing these out externally, is making sure that the technical education inside the partner ecosystem is rising. We've made some fundamental changes as we've moved to an availability zone or zonally aware architecture. New Zealand is going to be three availability zones. Uh, there are some design modifications, mm-hmm. some ways of thinking when you talk about DL, the way you think it. Yeah. We're going to be pushing these out so it is making sure that the the partners as you're you know, educating your customers, you're helping them through the decision making yeah. process, that you, you've got the right information. Yeah. You, you yeah. understand that what those decisions mean. Yeah. So I don't know if... Yeah, I think I think where you're going with that, Jimmy, is, and it's really a really important point, is that um, New Zealand today with data centres that are out there use like a one site here, one site here kind of configuration for DR and high availability. We're using three sites within a configuration, what we call Metro Disaster Recovery. That will meet high availability and disaster recovery sovereignty to a degree in terms of what, what, what organisations need. And so let's make sure that everyone understands that availability zone architecture and what that is and how that works. Because I have had some conversations saying, oh, this, this customer wants to have um, DR and backup, they'll need to do one deployment into the Azure region and one deployment into another data center somewhere else in the country. I'd probably challenge that. Mm-hmm. Oh, I mean, it's the, the fundamental well-architected framework and yep. enterprise landing zone yep. is the motion to drive what the underlying technology is at its mm. core. And it's inherent disaster recoverability, yep. Yep. right? Um, and I know we spoke about enterprise landing zones, we've thrown it out there today. Mm. And the concept of an enterprise landing zone can seem quite complex, but ultimately those underlying principles of what are your business requirements around availability and how Azure inherently drives that. When we say Azure, what I mean is like how the underlying compute and infrastructure yeah. drives it what regardless. It, yeah. um, it's changed significantly over the course of the last 10 years, right? Like mm. you, if you look at it from a, my architecture looks like production, dev, test, and yeah. backup, that's all like up in the air now. Mm. The underlying elements are inherently protected for disaster. Flight planes, um, Flood regions, earthquake zones, three data centers, one region, it's already 
already there. Yep. Um, I think we've got separate. We've got a separate podcast on enterprise landing zones. I believe that mm. we'll share in the. I think they do this on podcast where they go look in the comments below, but we'll right. post something there yeah. that kind of looks uh, at it. And we'd be happy to do one on availability zones and how that works with high availability in DR and how yeah. New Zealand works because this, this, we, we call the New Zealand region a three plus zero. I personally would rather call it a three plus anywhere. Yes. Which doesn't mean there's zero options. There's your, your choices there where you deploy if you need to have a secondary region as a disaster recovery or high availability backup. So. We can get into more details in our separate session, mm. I reckon. Yeah. Sounds good to me. And maybe as we get closer towards general availability, mm. we do actually go and focus on the list. We go, okay, this is yeah. what's going to be launched on GA. Yeah. Uh, and we, we we'll keep adding to it. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, we're still adding stuff to our regions in Australia today. Like, there's constant business, business cases coming in for more and more services. So, And in fact, um, just to go back to that comment before, is that one of our latest sites in Europe is adding six megawatts a month of capacity. So in terms of the global numbers now, so how many regions are, we're adding obviously in a region to it, but what are we able to be at? We're over 70 announced. 70 yeah. announced, yeah. So either operational and construction yeah. or announced to be start the construction. Right. And that's going to be close to 100 within the next two years, so it's, it's yeah. massive. Trend. And adding edge sites as well, like how do we deliver uh, more edge, edge compute as well in terms of regions and points of presence. Yeah. Is there, is there any complications or anything that you would suggest for um, if, if partners or customers are sitting currently in Australia and they want to move to New Zealand um, with this, like they, they may have had it in the Australian region, sure. yeah. now that actually they want to bring it back home, is there any recommendations for them? I think, if you want, I can start with this one, but we think of it from a couple of lenses. So the first is, as you're working with your customers, understand their strategy and so mm -hmm. if that is the intent so I'm going to deploy to Australia because I want to bring it back that becomes a design consideration that regional mobility that's what you're doing right and so any pre-work you can do so if it's in Australia East for example they have regions as availability zones apologies availability zones and you can deploy it zonally aware that's going to make it easier for the for the movement back because you've got it in the right uh, topology secondly when it comes to the actual movement um, Azure Resource Mover, so that's the tool set that we've created to work through. Um, every product group in Azure has been uh, tasked, can you be, are you compliant, can you be used for Azure Resource Mover? Mover? If you can't, can you, you have to document the full steps as the workarounds, so that's rolling through. And then on top of that, for many of you who would have used Azure Fast Track, we are increasing that capability, that's part of the investment we make with a new region, um, and they will help you with the design, or I guess it's even the planning for yeah. what you want to repatriate, as well as provide that deep technical engineering support through the process. So it, is, it does mm. come in a few layers, and it's not mm. quite as simple. Yeah. For M365, it is, you know, you select, I would now want to yep. be, that's done for you, that's yep. relatively simple, because there's different ways yep. to architect it. Yeah, yeah. So it's th you know, thinking up front, driving it through on how you want to do yeah. that migration. Probably two other points to it is, I'd, if anyone wants to bring it back to New Zealand, great, but my first question would be why? Yeah. Because again, remember yeah. this is Azure, the world's computer, mm. it's you're, it's working in Australia today, Yeah. why do you want to bring it back? That's a whole yeah. piece of work that you need to do, yeah. would you be better focus on net new innovation solutions running out of New Zealand and connecting that to the solutions in Australia? Yeah. yeah. And globally we see very few do, they talk yeah. about it, but when push comes to shove, they prioritise the actual things that are maybe on-prem or yeah. you know, yeah. 
yeah. more attention than something that's totally working yeah. somewhere else. Yeah. And then the second point is, as Jimmy said, the fast track for Azure team, they're dollar friend. They're, you know, I think if who wants to be a millionaire, they'll, they'll help you out, help you through <laughs> that process. Uh, everyone should be using them because they all, they all sort of, well, they don't sit there and rubber stamp and, and they'll go through the detail and help guide through customers and partners through that process. Yeah. And it's a supplement the partner, it's not a compete, it's yeah. purely, yeah. it's an advisory function to supplement the partner. Best of the best, of the best engineers you can get. Yeah. And I think actually this, this is, actually comes around to what we talked about before mm. we before we started recording, where um, quite often we get into the weeds, right, and we get into yeah. the very technical and we get into our regions and we get into those very, you know, right down here. Still trying um, to keep it up here. Yeah, but, but, yeah. but really at the end of the day, um, I, I do I do hop back to this, the the Microsoft um, AI video that that I got shown, and it was a a mother who um, was able to read to her children, and she was blind, and AI allowed her to read to her children. And I think for us to actually um, kind of always remember to go back that all of this and what we've talked about is actually to enable the solution. Yeah. So we've got partners that that won't touch DCs. They aren't in Azure. They they they, they understand it, but that's not their core umbrella. That's our core, right? That's what we do. We a little bit like what you said earlier. We I, I say we kind of do the boring stuff, but we do the stuff that yeah. makes that possible. Yeah. So that infrastructure sitting underneath. So what we do makes the really cool solutions that our partners are doing. So we can be getting into the weeds with the details of these. This is really, I think, to it's the security around, we're going to give you the security, we're going to give you the compliance, we're going to give you all of those things so that you can deploy your solutions to enable people to do amazing things. And that's actually really why we're here. Um, that's it. That was, that was the reason we did it. Yeah. That's it. Yeah. Like, end the podcast there. Great. Awesome. Like, we were good. Um, guys, look, I know we called on you to exchange a lot of information. Um, I'm sure that everyone listening has had a really now good immersion into where Microsoft are at. Um, I do not envy your job, sir. Um, <laughs> you, you know, you've got a lot of, lot of yards still to still to run, but um, good luck getting to GA. I'm sure that you've got a good team around you. It's been great to see the journey, mm. Paddy, from business case all the way through to where we're, mm. at, to where we're at today. So, we've got the right man for the job. Yeah, on behalf of um, yeah, the Umbrella team and our relationship with Microsoft, thanks for your time, gentlemen. Well, thank, thank you. you. No, Thanks thank so much. You. Really enjoyed it. Cheers. Thanks a lot.